greatest Australian bite has an immense array of marine life, um, with about 90% being like unique to Greystone Bite alone. And we've got the Southern Right Whale Nursery, we've got sea lion feeding grounds and breeding grounds, great white sharks, seven different kinds of other whales, uh, green sea turtles, oysters, mussels, bluefin tuna. Keeping in mind that the Gulf of Mexico uh, disaster in the United States was BP, and that happened at the exploration drilling stage, which is what they're trying to get approval to do in the Great Australian Bight next year, and that decimated that region. It decimated the environment, it, it really seriously damaged the economy, the fishing industry, the tourism industry. BP handing out handouts to the community and trying to assure everyone that they're, they're a change company since the Gulf of Mexico when they won't even address the issues still, you know, that continue from that major accident is not going to benefit this area at all. At the under the ocean, there's just a giant, um, like a big giant water basin or a giant, you know, deposits of oil land in there and it's worth billions of dollars that will feed the world or whatever. But it'll also destroy the world and poison the world and, and you know, destroy our oceans and pollute our oceans and, you know, everything in there will, will, will die. And, you know, destruction, what has been destroyed will never return. Simple as that. Welcome to Earth Matters, stories of environmental and social justice. Produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the land of the Kulin Nations, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hi, I'm Michaela, and this week on Earth Matters, we'll be looking at BP's plans to drill for oil in the Great Australian Bight. It's hard to imagine that after BP's Gulf of Mexico oil spill, any country will be welcoming them in to drill for oil, especially in a pristine ocean environment. But BP now has four permits to explore for oil and gas off the South Australian coast in the Great Australian Bight. BP still need to submit their environmental plan to NOPSEMA, the National Offshore Petroleum Safety and Environmental Management Authority, before getting the final go-ahead. But as we'll hear today, they're pushing ahead with their plans and assuring locals that they can manage any risks posed without answering any of the serious questions being raised or providing any evidence. BP are not alone in their plans to turn the bite into an oil field. Other companies with leases in the area are Chevron, Santos and Bite Petroleum. But it's BP's 24,000 square kilometre lease area that is in the most advanced stage, with plans to drill four exploratory wells in October 2016. So let's hear from some of the people who are working on the campaign to stop them before too much damage is done. The proposed oil field is just 250 kilometres southwest from Sejuna, and we'll be speaking to two locals, Brioni Carbines and Margaret Thistleton, who have formed the Clean Bite Alliance. We'll also speak with Peter Owen, Campaign Director of the Wilderness Society in South Australia. But first up, we're going to hear from Bunalori, elder and spokesperson for the Murning, First Nations people of the region who have a close relationship to the whales that seasonally inhabit the area. My 
My name is Bana Laurie, and uh, I'm an elder from the Morning Tribe, and one of the spokesmen, the songman from the Morning Tribe. And uh, I've um, recently known about BP been doing stuff out there, but um, we did we did not give those guys permission to go out there and, and do um, testings in the in the ocean and that. Far as I know, if, if you know about two few years ago, that they they had a rig there and it um, it caught on fire and eleven people got. Hurt. 11 people got hurt and a couple died and they kept it quiet. And then I think last year they drilled a hole near, a bit closer to the coast there one time and uh, I heard uh, the rod, you know, the steel rod that they put into the ground, it broke and it's still stuck in there. So they went further out and then when they were doing drilling now. And um, so we've been doing, I've been working with our Sea Shepherd and uh, the Wilderness Society in Adelaide and Jeff Hansen from uh, Sea Shepherd in Perth. So, uh, We've been getting together to, to try and um, lobbying and in our lines to um, be able to take it to Canberra and um, put these guys to shame for what they're doing. And uh, you know, uh, as you know, um, the Great Australian Bite, especially the Nullarbor, the Morning people, were at head of the bite is 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 one of the biggest um, whale centuries in the world you know, on this planet. Whale century and, uh, and nursery, you know, a place where. Whales have always come and carved and made it, and where they grow the young up and train them, and then they, they, they take them on the journey again. You know, it goes around that cycle, you know, that cycle we call in the language of the Kuro, which is the, the dance of life, you know, the dance of creation on the journey that um, whales have been doing for thousands of, you know, millions of years, like, just like, you know, Aboriginal people have so done so, and uh, we, we've got a strong relationship with the, with the whale, the Southern Mud Whale, and the Nullarbor, and uh, our people, and uh, had corroborees and ceremonies with them and, and have worked together with them and lived in harmony with them. And we treat those, you know, those whales as our family, part of our family when they eat off the, off the seabeds and our people have dived off the, off the cliffs and into the ocean and have collected and lived on shellfish, you know, for centuries and centuries. Well, the whales are, were eating other things like planktons and krill and stuff in that area. And um, we've danced together, and we've got a good, good relationship and a good connection with the whales. And we we know a lot about the whales more than anybody, you know, in Australia, and especially the whale people. We know a lot about them and what they do, and how they, how they not how they think, but how they how they live. And mm. and uh, but one of the big dangers now is is, is the threat now is is the, going to be oil soon. If 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 the government have given them a go by to to go and uh, to uh, mine there, and then uh, they're going to be things like human error now. And Mexico has already had it; they've made an error, they've uh, put put some big holes into the earth, and ever guess what? It, it split open, and all the oil is, is leaked out, and it went everywhere, across even across the Pacific, and and thousands of fish and krill and prawns and marine life animals, whales and dolphins, have been um, washed on the shore, and um, you know, carcass of all these animals and beautiful creatures that we. We love to see they've been found dead on, the, on those beaches in New Mexico. So we we don't want to have that sort of sort of um, you know scene here in um, on our Australian you know west, western coast of the Great Australian Bight happening because you know they say they they'll do things carefully and properly and all this and that and you know and uh, we know what has been destroyed will never return. Simple as that. You know you you know you like you chop a tree down <laughs> you can grow another tree but it's going to take another hundred. For years or more, but it's different in the ocean where the waters. This waters where where people also rely on the, the ocean for, you know, shellfish, seafood as well, and you know, 
you know, we, we can explain what, what it is, but all we know is that we want to protect that area, you know, not only Aboriginal people, but people that live across there, and, you know, from places like Kangaroo Island, from Kangaroo Island to right across to Tasmania, all that oil spill is going to travel, you know, all over, and it's, it's going to be diluting and polluting the oceans for time to come. And long as there's oil in, there's oil in the in the ground under the ocean, it was it, it always going to be leaking, and um, mm. and that'll be it'll trigger off lots of earthquakes, and for that ground to actually open up and split the earth, and that's doing more damage to to Mother Earth. So, uh, you know, we um, got a meeting in um, um, in Canberra in, in a few weeks with the Sea Shepherd and uh, and the Wilderness Society, so we can go down there and do some lobbying. And we've got an alliance meeting in Adelaide with the Sea Shepherd Wilderness Society to to really see if we can um, get more support into something, you know, BP destroying our, our ocean and our sea, our land, and and most of all, our beautiful Mother Earth. That was Banner Laurie, spokesperson for the Mourning People. You're listening to Earth Matters across the land on the Community Radio Network. Today we're focused on BP's plans to drill for oil in the Great Australian Bight. And we'll now hear from two residents who formed a group called the Clean Bight Alliance in response to learning of BP's plans for their region. So my name's Margaret Stilson um, and I'm from Sojourner on the west coast of South Australia. And sitting with me is Brioni Carbines, who's also living in Sojourner, originally from Melbourne. We decided that we would get together and start raising awareness and, well, our goal is for it to not happen in the end, but we'll see how that goes. I think it's important to note that most of the Sojourner and surrounding communities found out via the local paper, which um, about 18 months ago uh, play uh, put a story up about the a helicopter deal with the Sajina Airport with BP, um, and that was really the first public information that came to the local community, sort of um, outlining that it's, you know, that drilling is was planned and it was real and it was going to happen. Whereas before that was just sort of murmurs that that you know that there might be oil oil companies. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty bad introduction for the community because it, a lot of people felt like they hadn't been given any warning that this was on the cards until a deal with the Sajuna Airport had already been done. And what were people's responses? Um, I think, well, I think that initially a lot of people uh, were concerned and uh, the spill in the Gulf of Mexico from 2010 is definitely still fresh in people's minds and there's some similarities to be drawn between the communities on the Air Peninsula and those kind of fishing communities from the Gulf of Mexico, so people could sympathise. Um, and I think there is concern, uh, but also over time, BP's you know doing a lot of the pretty routine tactics to make them seem like a really good corporate business. To ha- you know, have on site, and our, our local council is very for big business and big projects, and is very excited about the possibility. So, and then we've also recently had BP sponsor our footy and netball grand finals, and there was sort of some stuff around that that you know that the local community should be really supportive of BP because they're providing some financial support for local projects. But when you put it in the scale of what 
sort of funds they're providing to local community, it's really minimal and it still doesn't, you know, take away the democratic right to question the process around oil and gas offshore drilling and the extreme dangers of that and also put it in the context of climate change and, you know, what what potential there is for out here in terms of renewables and if we keep focusing on big fossil fuel projects, will they ever get, will those renewables that could provide some really long-term jobs and economic stability and energy security for the local region as well as benefit, you know, biggest South Australian picture and also contribute to the direction where Australia's headed. Um, yeah, that's a lot of our concern is that BP and other companies drilling off the bite are a distraction from that and we, sh- we can do better. Well, South Australia, we have been leading the way in solar and wind and like numerous studies have said that we are doing so wonderfully well. It seems strange to turn around and like reverse that and introduce a massive oil field in the Great Australian Bay knowing that we can be doing things so much more safe and better and cleaner. And, you know, something like renewables could really give Indigenous communities in this area a really great step forward. And but with big projects kind of taking up space, those things are really hard to get off the ground. So I think, yeah, it is about climate change. It is about kind of dirty industry and not accountable industry, but it also crosses off over into lots of other areas. <laughs> You're listening to Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories. This show is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Our podcast can be downloaded at 3cr.org.au backslash earthmatters. There's so much living in this area that is, as I said, it lives like nowhere else in the world. To put that all at risk just for some monetary gain, it just seems like a ridiculous idea, really. Why would you want to risk all the jobs and all the, like, the lifestyle we have is just so amazing here. If there was an oil spill or some sort of disaster, it would just tarnish, like, our pristine part of the world forever. Like, there would be nothing that could fix it. I understand that they actually haven't submitted an environmental plan at this stage. At this stage, they're still, um, well, they're saying that they're preparing to submit their environmental plan sometime in the next few months. But regardless of when that's submitted, they're not actually releasing the plan to the public. They will provide a small summary, which is however many paragraphs, when they've said themselves that the page is going to be 600 pages. There's, uh, like, we have no oil spill modelling data from them. We have no real assurances, they're saying, if there was an oil spill, 32 days would be the num like the amount of days before it was cleaned up or like blocked or whatever, like maximum. There's just no, there's no transparency. There's just no transparency, and we can't risk it with like just words from some people without proof of anything. Great Australian Bay is well, BP have described it themselves as a brand new frontier, and we regularly get 12 foot swells and massive storms come through like roaring 40s it's such an extreme environment in their words the dangers of like in that ocean just 
I don't understand how they could have learnt so much and adapted their technology so much since the Gulf of Mexico in relatively calm waters, only a kilometre and a half deep, to drilling like five kilometres deep in raging seas. We did have some um, monitoring equipment out for 12 months at different spots in the Great Australian Bight to measure um, wave swells and things like that. Um, but again, it was a fairly short amount of time. It didn't take into consideration changes with El Nino and, yeah, monitoring, you know, potential sea rise changes. So it's not adequate, the, the information that they're using to kind of model this data. And there was no control for them to put this evidence against either. In any scientific community, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't pass as an actual study. It looks from the map like... The area where they want to drill is partly in the Commonwealth Marine Park. Is yeah. What happens with the state and federal aspects of the approvals process? So the, there's changes to the offshore oil and gas drilling is that now um, they don't come under the EPBC. They go through an organisation called NOTSEMA. I think in the time that NOTSEMA have been in existence, less than 5% of projects that they've put forward have actually been declined, whereas BP were knocked back by EPBC, I think, two or three times before converted to NOTSEMA, and there has been really no, nothing from NOTSEMA to say that there's any chance that they are going to be knocked back. Like, it just, as, as we were saying before, Everything is being put into place. Everything's getting ready. All they're looking for is that tick on a piece of paper, and it seems like they've almost always, almost already been guaranteed that. Do you know how this project has got so far advanced that they're already planning to drill with so many questions still unanswered? Yeah, we're at, there was a public meeting um, a few months back into June, and we put that question to them. So you know, so they've already. Um, building the rig and, you know, investing in changes to the Sajuna Airport, um, but they haven't got the approval, so wouldn't it be best to wait until that approval process is completed? And their argument is that there's there's not there's no time to delay, but the project itself has been delayed for various reasons, sort of self-imposed delays from BP. So we really made the argument that you should wait for one, for some research that's been conducted in the Great Australian Bight about biodiversity to be more complete because that's the other issue that, that it is known that there's this great biodiversity but a lot of the kind of activities of those species is unknown. So it's unknown whether they will, um, you know, migration paths of whales and stuff will cross with the activities of BP and other mining companies and also wait until the approvals and that the public have really thorough consultation and can sort of look at these documents in detail. Their their public and private consultation processes, just they seem to be giving different information to different groups, more to the point that this is what you need to know, not what you want to know. So what kind of organising is happening from the community of people concerned and working in opposition to this? There's a broader campaign being led by the Wilderness Society um, and a lot of that is sort of based in Adelaide 
Um, and so they've got some strategies and really raising the profile of what's going on and, um, you know, what could be done to stop it. I guess locally we're really looking at... Um, our first step was really trying to make BP as accountable as possible and we organised petitions and participated in political meetings um, to... To, to pressure the South Australian government to pressure BP to release its documents in full. Um, there's still no indication that even despite that public pressure that they'll do that. Um, so now we're sort of moving into a phase of saying um, you haven't cleaned up your mess in the Gulf of Mexico. You're not really providing the local communities with any insurance that the risk is feasible and acceptable and we've got other options for the region that are, are less dirty and less manipulative and clean for the future. This is Earth Matters across the land on the Community Radio Network. I'm Michaela Stubbs and we were just hearing from the Clean Bite Alliance. You can follow them on Facebook, just look for Clean Bite Alliance or you can get in touch by email at cleanbitealliance at gmail.com. Our final guest on today's show is Peter Owen, Campaign Director with the Wilderness Society in South Australia. The last decade or so um, we've been working toward the protection of this incredible marine environment and over the last 12 months we've seen uh, marine sanctuaries declared right through the Great Australian Bight and across the southern Australian coastline, both at a state and uh, a Commonwealth level which really highlights the, uh, the importance of this, this area ecologically as probably one of the most pristine marine environments left on the planet and certainly uh, you know, home to some of the most significant whale nurseries, particularly southern right whale nurseries, uh, calving and, and breeding areas in the world also. So we were pretty horrified when we saw the proposals to uh, turn the area into an oil field. So BP, over the last uh, 12 months or so, have been going through a required community consultation process required by the offshore oil and gas regulatory body, which is called NOPSEMA. So we've been asking for BP to um, you know, make public and certainly put on the table as part of the consultation uh, their oil spill modelling as to what, you know, what things are going to look like if it all goes wrong out here, keeping in mind that the Gulf of Mexico uh, disaster in the United States was BP, and that decimated that region. It decimated the environment, it, it really seriously damaged the economy, the fishing industry, the tourism industry and the like. So, you know, we're obviously very concerned about what's, what's being proposed here, um, as are a lot of people across southern Australia now. I mean, here we're dealing with some of the most remote and some of the roughest oceans on the planet. Uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, they were right in the middle of one of the, most, the biggest and most established oil fields on the planet. And it took them 87 days over there with all that infrastructure to plug the, plug the well. I mean, there's serious questions as to how they are ever going to plug a scenario out in the Great Australian Bight, given, given the remoteness and the roughness of the area and the fact that there is no uh, oil and gas in- infrastructure out here. So, you know, there's very serious concerns out there, uh, very serious concerns around the transparency uh, that's been involved in BP's, I guess, supposed consultation process that they're required to do in order to get the approval to do the exploration drilling, which they're hoping to get by the end of this year, and then they're hoping to start their exploration drilling late next year. So, yeah, the pressure's on now. Um, you know, we really don't want to, to 
see this happen because they either go out here and carry out drilling and it, and it all goes wrong and we have a Gulf of Mexico type scenario which is, is a, you know, a, a catastrophe. Or they go out here and it, it doesn't all go wrong from that perspective but they slowly turn this oil area into an oil field with platforms and oil tankers going everywhere and again that then you know, ultimately seriously degrades this area as, as one of the most significant marine wilderness areas left on the planet. So, you know, there's very little community support for this at all. Mm. Um, so that'll, that'll be very interesting. There is no social licence to be doing what's being proposed out here. Mm. Uh, and that's building fairly quickly, which is, which is fantastic to see. So, you know, it's, it's a serious concern and it, and it should be of concern to, to, you know, Australians, not just South Australians, but people right across southern Australia because, uh, you know, our, our guess is that if something goes wrong here at the... Uh, the impact will be devastating and widespread. It's a critically important, uh, you know, campaign to win. We, we really can't afford to have the uh, the Bight Basin opened up to allow the oil industry uh, to expand. When, I mean, only only recently the the fairly prestigious scientific journal Nature did an analysis and it basically came to a conclusion that of of the oil reserves already on the books of the oil majors in the Asia Pacific region more than 50% of that oil can't be burned if we're to have any chance of staying below a two-degree uh, global warming uh, limit. So the obvious question is, given that, what are these companies doing looking for more? Um, when we know that what they've already got in their books, 50% of it's going to have to stay in the ground to have any chance of avoiding a disastrous future uh, for our kids and for our grandkids. Um, and then the flip side of that is, you know, this is an utterly inappropriate place to be trying to turn it into an oil field because it's one of the most significant marine wilderness areas left on the planet and it needs to stay like that. The risk involved here is too high. That was Peter Owen, Director of Campaigns for the Wilderness Society in South Australia and you can get in touch with them by walking into any of their campaign offices or following their activities on their website. It's wilderness. .org.au and look for their fossil fuels campaign. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Michaela Stubbs. Today on the show we heard from Bana Laurie, Brioni Carvans and Margaret Thistleton and Peter Owen. As you heard on the show, BP's plans are very advanced and they are hoping to start drilling their four exploratory wells next year. 90% of oil spills occur at the exploratory stage and the drilling alone will cause damage to the area and distress to the wildlife. It is a vital time for us all to step in and tell BP and the federal government to leave the oil alone. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support and the Community Radio Network for distributing the show around Australia. Earth Matters was produced in the studios at 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the land of the Kulin Nations. Our contact phone is 0394198377 and our email is earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. Today's podcast and others like it can be downloaded at 3cr.org.au backslash earthmatters. That's all for today, but we'll be back again next week with more green news from all around the planet. Mm-hmm.